Welcome to Basecamp, where men meet together to seek deeper understanding of authentic manhood and apply principles from God's Word to our daily lives. Today we're starting a new series going over the fundamentals of faith. And we're bringing a speaker on board to do the introduction course all the way from BCC, Derek Murray. We don't come from a high church tradition, but if you've ever been in one, you know that the preacher carries the Bible over his head as he walks down the aisle. Um, today we're going to start our series on We Believe, the doctrines that make Burke Community Church unique. We're going to start with um, the doctrine of the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, we take just a moment and uh, let's pray as we begin our time together. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for everyone who's gathered here this morning. I thank you for the, the great coffee and bagels that we are able to enjoy with each other. But most importantly, Lord, I thank you that we've come here out of devotion to you, to know you, to love you, to glorify you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to talk about how amazing and inspired the word of God is that you've given to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know our church is a lot of apologetics. And we're not doing apologetics right now. What we are doing now is almost systematic theology for the next few weeks um, for this semester. And, uh, you know, just to, to get to back in kind of in the apologetic mode, but also in the systematics mode, um, I don't know if you've heard about that great debate between that, that pastor theologian apologist don't really remember his name, and that lawyer, again, I, I'm just drawing a blank on his name, you know, but they were in this great debate, and the, the lawyer very first said, I think the Bible is inaccurate, it is a farce, and it's full of mistakes. So the preacher gets up and just goes over to him and takes a hold of his nose and twists his nose, starts bleeding everywhere, and said, what, what are you doing that for? We're having a debate. He said, Proverbs 30, 33, for as the churning of cream produces butter, and as the twisting of the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Told you. Yeah. The Bible is true. So, uh, you know, the first English translation was given to us by uh, John Wycliffe, who uh, translated it into Old English. Um, in about 1382, he completed that. Um, he, he has been called the morning star of the Reformation. He came before Martin Luther. Um, but in uh, 1450, long after his death, the Catholic Church uh, exhumed his uh, bones. Uh, they burned him along with his books and they spread his ashes in the River Swift. They did not want the English translation of the Bible being in the hands of ordinary people. Um, well, sometime later, Martin Luther, he translated the uh, Bible, the New Testament, from Greek into German in 11 months. And this is before a unified German language. This one book that Martin Luther did, the New Testament, changed the German language. Um, and it's the vernacular that we uh, know today. Um, so what these men did endure, it was an important work. And I'll tell you what, it will always endure, this side of heaven. No one can destroy it because its origins and its words are divine. Have I shown you that I have a high view of scripture? Okay. 
Uh, let's go to this first slide. What are the, uh, so we're talking about doctrine. What are the essential doctrines that are required to call a Christian? Uh, first, we're going to see that, you know, there's one God. Uh, we are sinners. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus rose from the dead. We're saved by grace. And we must believe in Christ through faith. These are essential. Rejecting any of these doctrines means that you are not really a Christian. I hope that you understand these doctrines completely essential. Okay, there are other doctrines that aren't necessarily essential. You believe in end times theology. You believe that every last word in the Bible is inspired and inerrant. You don't have to have that belief to be called a Christian. I remember driving home from church about, you know, six months after I became a believer when I was, you know, at the age of seven, and I asked my dad if he believed the Bible was true. He said, yeah, I believe most of it. He was a believer in Jesus Christ, I know that. And over time, he realized, no, no, the Bible is inspired and inerrant. And for many, many years, the King James Version was the inspired and inerrant version. Um, so um, what I want to do is go over some key doctrines that are essential. And you have some blanks in your note paper. I just, I just gave you all the blanks right up front so that uh, you can fill those out while I speak. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 14. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, people don't believe in the Scripture um, because they don't have the Holy Spirit in their heart. However, those of you out here who do have the Holy Spirit in your heart, uh, you read the Scriptures and they, they come alive, right? They absolutely come alive. Um, so as you see, the Bible is the Word of God. God cannot err, therefore the Bible cannot err. I truly believe that the copy that you hold in your hands has come down divinely through history, that God has preserved his book, and that we have just almost a 100% a beautiful, wonderful copy. You don't have to look into it for errors. The errors are minimal and small, and can most likely be um, attributed to some small monk in a little uh, castle uh, putting his own uh, um, autograph in there. So let's go to the next slide here. Um, how has God relayed the message to mankind? First, there was general revelation. We see this through creation, where Paul said in Romans 1.20, he said that you can see God through creation. People are without excuse. How can you look at the complexity of the human eye and tell me that, that we came here from uh, chance plus time, which created matter, which made a fish and a monkey than us over billions and billions of years? How, how can you tell me that when you look at the complexity of our bodies? Um, you know, that is, that is general revelation. Then there's special revelation. This is direct interaction with God from men. Um, like Zechariah 7, 12, the prophet makes reference to the law of Moses, and he says, um, or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit, spirit through earlier prophets. God sent his words by his spirit through prophets. It was a divine and human interaction. 
So God divinely inspired them and breathed through them. However, the men's personalities and language skills and their background and their cultural setting um, allowed them to write the books they did. Um, 2 Samuel 23, 2, Dave wrote, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. Um, the writings came from God, but were mediated through a prophet of God. They were written down. That. And then in uh, 2 Timothy, we see all scripture is God-breathing and is inspired. Um, it is profitable for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Um, Paul, in the Old Paul said in the Old Testament that it was scripture. The writings were God-breathed. They had divine authority for faith and practice. Um, the Spirit moved through men. They wrote it down, and God preserved the writings. God breathed. Go to the next slide. One of the proofs of the Bible is the inspired word of God. It cannot be destroyed. How many people have tried to destroy it? You know, from Nazi Germany burning the Bible so that they can have Mein Kampf all the way back through generations and generations of people who have tried to destroy the Word of God, try to keep it out of the hands of normal people, and to leave it for the, the clergy class. Um, yeah, let's teach in a language that no one understands. That'll be helpful in preaching. Um, so uh, the second thing, it has amazing unity. Over 1,600 years, the span of 60 generations, 40 individual authors in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Um, it is amazing in the unity that the scriptures have. Um, three, it foretells the future accurately. Uh, Genesis 3.15 told of, uh, of the enslavement in Egypt 400 years before it happened. Um, Hosea talks about the diaspora, Israel's dispersion. Babylonian captivity was prophesied in Isaiah. Um, in Daniel 9, he prophesied the exact year of Christ's ministry. Um, and in Isaiah 53, the precise details of Jesus' death. Um, tell me that doesn't speak of inspiration from God, right? Okay, next slide. Um, what is the most important essential doctrine um, that is core to the Christian faith? First, the inspiration of scriptures is the fundamental of fundamentals. You can't get around this, that the fundamental aspect of our faith must be, we believe that this book speaks truth. If you believe that this book has errors, then it throws your whole faith in jeopardy. You have to believe that when the scriptures say all scripture is inspired and God breathed, that it is. Um, one can be saved, not believing every word in this book, but one cannot grow uh, continually without believing that God actually inspired this book, that the words contained therein are true. I mean, it's inexplicable how this happened. Like, how can a human, how can a man in 20 minutes explain how this actually happened? Um, uh, but it's, you know, the, the biblical books are limited to these biblical authors. I truly believe there's no lost book. We're not going to make a great discovery that, oh, we didn't have the, the, this book. Um, this, this is a study of divine guidance. God spoke through men in order to guide us where we are today, so many years after the fact. So it's a study, really, of pr protection. God protected us. He preserved his word. He protected his word so that you and I can know his word, right? Um, and it, but the thing is, 
the the exact thing that happened so many years ago when they wrote on papyrus. Um, you know, those words, I believe, uh, every jot and tittle, um, every little tiny marking, I believe that God inspired them to write that. However, there might be a few periods uh, at the end of a sentence, a few commas that we don't have right now, but I believe that it's, it's almost as exactly as it should be because I have a God that's big enough to make it as good as it should be, right? Um, if you believe that there's one true God, creator of all there is, surely he can keep a book preserved through the centuries. Thomas Aquinas said, in order that salvation might be might be easier be brought to man and be more certain it was necessary that men be instructed concerning divine matters through divine revelation. We have to have a book. We have to have a source. John Calvin said our faith in doctrine is not established until we have a perfect conviction that God is the author. God wrote this book through men, through their personalities, through their times. And when you go to the gospel, sometimes, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're writing about the same events, but they have a different camera lens, different angle that they're looking at it um, through their own culture, their own um, upbringing, and their own uh, um, desire to just make their story unique for their particular audience. So how should the Bible be interpreted? Um, it should be literal. And this is, this is so easy, guys. I'm going to give you Hebrew 101, okay? You sometimes don't need the Hebrew in order to know what the Bible is saying, right? It's in plain English. So, for instance, like you go to Daniel and there was the handwriting on the wall where it says, meaning, meaning, tickle person. It's very easy to translate that, that isn't it? That you're, uh, why would you tickle someone when they don't want to be tickled? What a meaning, meaning person you are. You know, I mean, it's, it's just easy for me. Meaning, meaning, tickle person. Um, so the literal method of, of interpretation doesn't mean that everything in the Bible is true literally. It means that everything is literally true because there are certain passages that have symbolism and different meaning. But the truth is you need no special key in order to interpret the Bible, in order to read the Bible for yourself. There's no special degree you need. There's no special key of interpretation. It is in plain language, and God meant it to be that way. Uh, the second thing is, is that the historical. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 9 um, said that men should not cover their head, but women should cover their head. Okay, so why don't we have women wearing hats in church? Well, there was a cultural context, a historical context. There was a cultural trend that Paul was addressing. That doesn't mean that it, it was a law. Thou, thou shalt wear a head covering in church. Um, it meant at that time that, that women, you should probably do that because of culture, which we don't have time to go into. Um, the, the third thing is grammatical. Um, I think you've heard that in, in our services, uh, that does grammar matter? Do words matter? Yes, they matter. Um, but let me give you another um, Hebrew lesson here, um, because I know we love Hebrew. When the Bible says you should have no other gods before you, well, you know what the original Hebrew says? Yeah, no other gods before you. Come on, that's easy Hebrew. Man, how about point eight three? Now this one isn't a joke. Honor your father and mother. Guess what the Bible says in it? Like in the original Greek, it says honor your father and mother. Um, so it may go well with you. So you may have long life on the earth. Should we stop honoring our father and mother? Because well, that doesn't really apply to us. 
absolutely applies. Honor your father and mother. Uh, the next one is contextual. Every sentence must be interpreted in light of its paragraph, every paragraph of the entire book. Each book must be uh, understood in light of the entire Bible. There is an immediate context when Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and then there's a broader context. That letter was meant to go out to everybody, including us. So there's a context and a broader context. Um, Matthew 18, 20 says, uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. This is perhaps one of the most often quoted, misquoted scripture in all of uh, the New Testament. Because that's not talking about you, you and me get together and have a little prayer session and then all of a sudden God comes to us. Like, hey, if I didn't have you, God wouldn't be with me. That wouldn't make sense, right? That if you have only one person praying, is God there in the midst? I think so. What this is talking about is church discipline. When you agree on sin, you agree on the process of addressing sin, and you get together and you pray, God, help us deal with sin properly. God is there because the sin is in a direct assault against God, and God wants to help prevent that sin. It doesn't mean that, that uh, if I don't pray with someone else that Jesus isn't there with me. Because he is there every moment, isn't he omnipresent? So if you take that verse out of context, you say God is not omnipresent. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry if you misquoted that. It's, it's been done by probably 99% of the church um, and, and at some time or another. The third, last one is it's authorial. Um, the author gives meaning to the text, not the reader. The author knew what he was writing. He didn't just write blindly. God took his pencil and just made it move. No, he knew what he was speaking about. Um, they were fully aware. So uh, I love Alistair Bay. He only says, let the main things be the main things and the plain things the plain things. Read your Bible. It's a history book. Um, you, can, you can decipher its meaning. The plain things are the main things. The main things are the plain things. You know, uh, Wilbur Albright, a uh, theologian, said, discovery after discovery has established the accuracy of innumerable details uh, and has brought increased recognition of the value of the Bible as a source of history. It can't be disproven. It keeps getting proven over and over again. You know, they just found Sodom and Gomorrah recently in an excavation. They said this, this certainly was destroyed by a comet. Um, and there hasn't been any historical or scientific thing that has ever been discovered that disclaims the Bible. Um, so here we go. Six reasons uh, for interpreting the, the scriptures literally. One is the normal approach in all languages. You don't parse my English when I'm speaking. Read it in, in as it's meant. Normal approach in all languages. The greater part of the Bible makes sense when taken literally. It'll take the secondary meaning when demanded, such as the book of Revelation, or when the, the text says, such as. Um, all secondary meaning actually depends on the literal meaning. You have to understand Daniel to understand Revelation. You have to understand um, Old Testament prophets before you can understand the new ones. Um, it's the only sane and safe check on human imagination. Um, ever, anyone alive there in 1988 who remember 88 reasons why Jesus will return in 1988? The guy used numerology and he was a complete crop. That's not how God wants us to interpret the Bible. Um, we take it, we take it uh, um, sanely and safely. Um, it's the only approach in line with the nature of inspiration. Um, so as we finish up our time here, I wanted to uh, just give you um, a, 
a brief overview of the different kinds of Bibles we have in English. Um, we have, like I said, just an amazing translation. My favorite is the um, ESV and the NET. Um, you can check that out on the internet, the Net Bible. It's unbelievable. Um, those ones are formal equivalents, which is the second one up there. This is where they take a word-for-word approach in translating the Bible. They take every word, they make sure it's in context, it's historical, they translate the word, they try to make the sentence form. Uh, the functional equivalent is like the NIV. Okay, so KGB would be formal, NIV, uh, NLT, um, and those are where they take a dynamic equivalent, where they take it sentence by sentence, and they try to make the sentence make sense in the English language. Okay, I'll give you one thing uh, as we close. Um, so one example, 1 Peter 1.13 in the King James, it says, gird your loins, gird the loins of your mind. And we're like, what? Gird the loins of my mind? Doesn't make sense. So if you were to do that in a functional equivalent, it would say, pay attention or prepare for action. Gird your, the loins of your mind. You see how they did sentence for sentence, thought for thought. Um, so Martin Luther said that the Bible is God coming to us in the form of a book. And we have God in, in these pages. And the Bible is so amazing. That's why I spent all these years studying it. You know, trying to know it, trying to understand it. So um, in application, uh, what do you do with verses that there's a prohibition um, against sexual sin? Is this true? Prohibition against sexual sin. What about uh, that I need to love people better than I love even myself? Well, if it's in these, this book here, I best better start thinking about that, right? What do you verse, do verses that says, hide God's word in your heart so you won't sin against God? Am I doing it? Am I, do I take that literal? Well, you're, you're darn well better. <laughs> you know, is that favorite language? Hide God's word in my heart? No. Saints memorize scripture. Um, how about uh, a verse that says, be a spiritual leader in the home? Be a spiritual leader in the workplace. Do we take that literal? It's not figurative. Um, and that's going to be the focus of our uh, weekend at the retreat, being a spiritual leader. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, uh, there's some discussion questions on your sheet. I hope you got all the blanks. And uh, let me pray and uh, close this out as we begin our table time. Lord, I just thank you that we can't pick and choose what we want from the Bible and throw up the rest. That, Lord, you came to us in the form of a book that, that I can be fully convinced that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, thoroughly equip us for every good work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.